Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Mexican-French emerging artist Alexis de Chanac. He was born in New York City and raised in Mexico City and Paris. As a young child living in Mexico, he grew up surrounded by his mother's family and friends, which included Mexican visual and performance artists, intellectuals, historians, poets, and writers. He spent much of his time drawing in the studio of his grandfather, renowned artist Jose Luis Cuevos, who was contemporaries with many progressive thinkers, including Colombian novelist Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the author of 100 Years of Solitude and Love in the Time of Cholera. These brilliant minds had a strong impact on Alexis at an early age, and as a result, Alexis draws from topics such as literature, religion, art history, and politics, which overlap with his other interests that include natural sciences, biology, and botany. Alexis, as he should be, is very proud of his Mexican heritage. His inaugural New York solo show was at Art 3, followed by three recent solo museum shows in Mexico. Welcome and enjoy our talk. Alexis, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm so excited to interview you because I'm excited to educate listeners about Mexican culture. And it's great that you're going to spend time with us to talk about your family and being surrounded by uh, Mexican intellectuals, artists, and writers. So with that, I'm going to hand it off to you. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Felix. I've been uh, following your podcast since the beginning of the lockdown a few months ago, and this has been a very enriching uh, experience to go through all your the artists you've been uh, interviewing. Thank you. Uh, but uh, thank you for inviting me. And um, yes, yeah, so I, you know, to tell you a little bit more about my background, um, I think I've, first of all, I'm a product of uh, multiculturalism. Uh, I was born in New York. My uh, mother is Mexican, my father French, and I spent time in the three countries, actually. And uh, without that childhood that you mentioned that I spent in Mexico, I wouldn't be the person or the artist I am today. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would love to, to share this with you and with the listeners. Uh, so I, uh, when I was three years old, uh, we moved from New York to Mexico. And uh, we moved to this house uh, built by architect Gonzalez de Leon, who also built, for example, the Tamayo Museum in Mexico City. And so it was a house that was uh, connected to the, the house of my grandfather, who was a great uh, Mexican artist, uh, José Luis Cuevas, uh, a great artist of La Generación de la Ruptura, the rupture generation that was against the muralism of uh, 
um, of uh, the time period of, uh, for example, Diego Rivera, Siqueiros, Orozco. I think New York um, art lovers are very aware of all these artists. Recently, there was this great exhibition that was uh, featured in the New York Times by a great article by uh, Jerry Saltz that mentioned that uh, this was one of the most important shows of the 21st century. Uh, without Mexican art, we wouldn't have uh, had the great artists of, uh, of the 20th century here in the United States, like Jackson Pollock or even Philip Guston. There's a great inspiration from Mexican art. So my grandfather was one of these uh, figures of the ruptura in Mexico who was basically uh, uh, trying to find new ways for artists to create rather than just painting these very socialist uh, or very, um, with a very political message uh, with, uh, in a very monumental way. He was closer to the idea of working on paper on smaller format, more intimate, traveling the world, seeing different ways of approaches. And he wrote a lot of treaties like uh, La Cortina del Nopal, which is uh, one of his major treaties, who basically he fought for his own artistic voice. And uh, it was very controversial at the time, but at least he found his, his own way and opened up a whole way for artists. So uh, to go back to my childhood, because of that interconnectivity of the two houses, I could just run through the garden and go to, to his house. And his house, first of all, was uh, always with people that would come <laughs> to visit, like intellectuals, writers, other artists, and also even politicians. <laughs> and it was a very rich environment to grow as a child. Um, and then to go back to the architecture of the space. So that was the house and upstairs there would be the studio. And if the, the lower level of the house was very minimalistic and, you know, with a lot of light, studio upstairs was more Baroque. And that gave me right away a sense of the artist. The artist has to be a social creature in the lower level with the family, with the guests, but at the same time, uh, uh, a being of the inside world. And the inside world was basically the studio. <laughs> so within even the architecture of the house, there was a, a deep sense of uh, what's the psyche of an artist. You know, during those years, I, it was also very inspiring for me to see my grandfather uh, draw and how he would create those lines on on piece of paper. I also remember the smell of ink, uh, those are very much my very first kind of memories. Um, I, and it was also a very inspiring time because of all these guests that would come, great writers like Gabriel Garcia Marquez or Carlos Fuentes, uh, represent, uh, representing you know, the boom, Latin American boom of that time, um, but also poets like Homero Aritis or Octavio Paz. Um, and for me, I, I, at that time, they were just the friends of my grandparents. I didn't consider them as the great men and writers that they were. I, I discovered the writing later in my teenage years and then in university. But uh, it was a very rich environment that opened up my imagination. I think that's what gave me that ch those childhood years is that mix between reality and fiction. That is one and a single thing. And you, you had an aunt that was a performance artist, right? Exactly. Jimena, Jimena Cuevas. Uh, so the, uh, my, my aunt was uh, one of the pioneers of uh, video art. And uh, she was definitely also very inspiring 
at that at that moment, uh, you know, she created her own uh, voice. And my other aunt too is a, is a filmmaker. Uh, she's a documentary filmmaker. So definitely a family of artists. And uh, my grandmother was uh, Berta Cuevas was a great pillar for the family, and helped my grandfather to build his own museum in the center of Mexico City. So. Uh, a childhood full of creativity and inspiration. So, so I have a question f- uh, for you. So, I saw your show at Sergeant Daughters, and um, it was the botanicals, the plates from 17th and 18th century. Share with us how your upbringing influenced that body of work and and, and what you're working on today. So, actually, uh, this this show of uh, the Botanica plates, I think, is a summary of uh, all my, the different moments of my life I've been going through. Um, because of you know that childhood in in Mexico, I realized that the studio was not only in, in the in the studio of my grandfather, but also in the garden. And I, I had this kind of amazement uh, for me when I was a kid to collect uh, insects and little dried plants and uh, objects from nature and putting them in jars and organizing them almost as if it was a, uh, a cabinet of curiosities. So that, that was my passion uh, as a kid. And, uh, and then d- during a moment I was in France, I was very much interested by the surrealists hmm. and uh, the, the French surrealists that were passionate about uh, all these kind of... Uh, uh, the idea of the metamorphosis and uh, of the transformation. So th- that was definitely very inspiring for me. Um, and, but it, it, it also came for the, these last few years I've been in New York with my studio here. Uh, I've been having uh, this, uh, this friendship with this great uh, art, uh, this great nature photographer, Antonio Biscaino, that recently passed away. And that traveled all around America from, uh, from Alaska to Tierra de Fuego and has been capturing only nature and the state of nature in the world. And that opened up a new reflection in me about uh, how, what's the impact of uh, human beings in the ecosystem. So that added another layer with my contact with uh, nature. And, you know, uh, based on his recommendations, I did this trip to Costa Rica and I realized uh, the interconnectivity that there is between uh, plants and between uh, trees in the, in the forest. It's actually basically like a huge brain that connects with one another. Uh, like, um, and, and that opened up the, the idea for this series that I'm actually working on top of documents of these botanical plates from the 17th and 18th century. And where I'm basically doing these heads um, and, and this idea that um, um, combining element of uh, neuroscience with botanica. I was very inspired by the drawings of, um, um, of Santiago Ramón y Cajal, which is uh, like the grandfather of uh, neuroscience, uh, Spanish, and who actually at the end of his life got to meet the surrealist. Uh, if you see drawings of uh, Miró or uh, even García Lorca, they have a very similar way of uh, curvilinear technique as those uh, scientific drawings of Cajal. There was a great show at the NYU Great Gallery uh, here in New York a couple of years ago that was 
very inspiring for that. So, um, so that what, that's what brought this series uh, that you got to see. And I'm glad you, you got to come before it was over. Yes. And, and so based on that body of work, how, how do you want your work to influence your audience, the viewers, the collectors? <laughs> what do you want them to feel? What do you want them to think? Well, first of all, I feel that in my work in general, it has always been about triggering curiosity. Um, this, this element that the work has to be just a spark for curiosity about certain subjects um, and that, uh, you know, to, to regain a certain amazement about their own environment. I, I feel that today we live in a world where uh, there's uh, hyper uh, information. You know, you can Google whatever question you have. And that, in a way, um, kills the process of research and of uh, curiosity that I think is so important. Um, like, and so, for example, when I deal with subjects like uh, literature or uh, the Botanica series, for example, is to trigger that curiosity for the for the viewer to, uh, to engage with a, a world that he would not expect. Uh, and, and, and then maybe trying to, read, to help him reach a deeper sense of self um, in a world that I feel is getting more and more distracted. Any, any kind of moment you can get out and be basically distracted from that. Uh, and, and I feel this is a very valuable thing to, to have, to, to have a constant curiosity of the world. Constantly amazement. <laughs> well, your work is beautiful. I, yeah, most of the images that I post on my Instagram page is a figurative work, but after I, I saw your show, I had to post one of your works because it actually took me back into my childhood because I loved bugs and all that kind of stuff also. So um, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. And, and what type of pleasure do you drive while you're creating work? I mean, you must reach back into your childhood memories and think of all of those greats that you were surrounded by. But when you're alone in your studio and you're creating work, how, how do you feel? I, I think um, what work has been, uh, doing work and uh, the, the practice of making art and in particular of drawing, which was one of the elements that was... Um, you know, that, that, that really grounded me in, in all my different moments, you know, of, of traveling different countries and everything. It has been something that has grounded me. And that was, has given me a certain sense of uh, focus and of uh, really being in, the, in a present state of, uh, of being, uh, where you are basically forgetting the sense of self, of ego, but you are, you are fully, fully there, right? And, um, and I think it's uh, art in every kind of, of way. It's a great way to connecting not only with an audience, but connecting with your own ancestors, with other cultures of reaching a certain universal time. And, uh, and, and when you reach that, that, that moment, I feel that there's a certain sense of uh, thankfulness of, of life and of uh, uh, that that is really very pleasurable. Like uh, I, I think it's uh, it's a sense of uh, that you are part of the cosmos, that you are uh, part of that sacred, whatever it is. I think it's a great sense of uh, of, of being part of, of 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 a great creative movement, in a sense. And do you remember as a child what you first started to draw? 
So, um, yeah, I, I always drew, and, and as I was telling you, you know, there was this studio of my grandfather, uh, but at the same time, I, my studio was in the garden. I remember drawing in the garden, and, and it was a very, uh, it was almost like this creation, you know, in Genesis, in the Bible book, where, um, where, where you actually have that sense of the creation of a world. And uh, I used to collect those insects and little plants. And it was a way for me to um, uh, like discover the world around me, to communicate and find a language that was beyond the words. When you speak different languages, I think you start to confuse yourself and you don't speak any of the languages as well as, <laughs> you know, uh, I think your brain starts to be confused. And, and for me, drawing and painting became a way of expression, of, uh, of communication. And I think uh, that childhood in Mexico, to go back to it, really inspired me because uh, there's a very visual, it's a very visual culture. Uh, even if there's great writers, you know, I mentioned some of them, uh, it's a very visual culture. Like even in the subway in Mexico, uh, there's drawings of the stations rather than, uh, rather than uh, the names of the stations because a lot of people are actually illiterate, like they don't read or write. And so it's, it's a way of communication. In drawing, if you see the Mexican hieroglyphs, like the... Uh, they, they have that very uh, pictorial quality. And even in popular culture in Mexico, it, it's a very visual culture. Uh, if you go, for example, to the Anthropology Museum, you see how all these deities and demons and creatures were a way to teach lessons uh, to, uh, you know, to people. <laughs> interesting, interesting. And how do you remain connected to your Mexican heritage, to the culture? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel really the linking bond between that childhood in Mexico and the moment we left to France when I was year, eight years old is because we came to Mexico, uh, to, to France, uh, we moved to France with, uh, with, with our, uh, the nanny that was actually the nanny of my mother. So who actually lived in that environment, surrounded of intellectuals and everything. And she was uh, a woman from uh, uh, Oaxaca, from a little village in Oaxaca. I'm not sure if you saw that film, uh, Roma, a couple of years. Yes. Won a lot of awards and was very endearing film. Um, and, and I think that's, that was definitely the dynamic because she was part of the family. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and at the same time, she was like, you know, embraced, embraced by the family and also a, a testimony of the family, like she would uh, be a part of it. And uh, the fact of having her in France, it was basically like having Mexico in France, in, in a sense. And when I would come back from school, I would sit down with her and she would start to tell me about her dreams that she had or or when, or memories of her own childhood. And that really connected me and to a deeper love also for Mexico and for its people. You know, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very rich uh, culture. And, uh, and, and in, in a way, I feel that that those, uh, those years that uh, we spent with her, that I, I got to spend with her, with my brother too. We also did short films with her. Where I would try to, uh, draw with her and it would be this kind of combination between uh, 
um, a certain wisdom of the past combined with the spontaneity of uh, childhood. And I think that really connects with my work today, that there's a certain wisdom that is in the backdrop, like this botanica or this knowledge of the past that is somewhere there, very tactile, but at the same time, a certain uh, fluidity of, uh, and spontaneity of, of going back to childhood, of a certain innocence. And I think I wouldn't have preserved that without Lupe. And I, I'm very, very thankful of uh, those couple of years that she came with us in France. That's wonderful. What a great childhood. I'm just sitting here imagining you and her sitting there. Um, and you've exhibited in Mexico. Yeah, yes, I've been uh, exhibiting in, in Mexico. And it, it's been a very um, interesting uh, um, experience to, to discover the Mexican uh, contemporary art right now. I think there's a lot to be said about it and uh, a lot of great artists um, and uh, and also you know I, I exhibited in Jalapa Veracruz um, and I, I got the opportunity to be part of a taller uh, with uh, kids from the neighborhood and that was basically the idea to trigger creativity and uh, and to give them a certain engagement with their surroundings so I asked them for example to paint animals of their uh, communities. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was also a way to engage with the local community in the place where I was exhibiting. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for sharing uh, all of that. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I hate to change the subject to life today. Um, so what are you doing next? How are you surviving with this uh, invasion of this virus? Share with us what your life looks like today and any upcoming uh, exhibitions that you're participating. So, um, well, the, this, the lockdown period, I think, is a bit what uh, any artist uh, gets ready for, uh, for, for his life in a sense that, uh, you know, being isolated and cut from the world and, uh, and in a sense, being in a state of introspection. So that, that has definitely helped me to put a pause in the world. And um, more than being very productive and doing a lot of uh, works, you know, I've been trying to work from home because I don't have access to my studio that is in Long Island City. So I, I've been in a, a process of, of introspection where uh, I have been thinking about where I come from and where I can go. And I think that's, that's also what I think a society at large should think, where, 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 where it came from. And what's the next step in a sense, right? Rather than being overproductive. And this, this moment has been also a moment to uh, connect, I think, also with, with, with the, those Mexican roots. Right now I'm part of a group show that unfortunately for the moment is uh, online, but uh, hopefully in the coming weeks we'll be able to uh, uh, you know, present it. And it's, uh, it's a group show that is actually in Harlem in uh, the White Box Art Space Gallery, which uh, presents uh, um, artists um, that are after the generation of uh, Gabriel Orozco, after the 90s, that produce uh, great work. And uh, it's also, that also opens up a dialogue about accepting other cultures and accepting the you know uh, what what great mexican artists has been have been doing in new york that show i you know it's called exodus 3 because there's been uh, an exodus for example of exodus of 
uh, Chinese artists in New York. And this is like the, the third episode of those, uh, of that series of shows in that space in Harlem. So hopefully it will be open by, uh, by the coming, um, um, weeks. Uh, right now it's just online, but also my idea would be, uh, to go back to school for an MFA program. We'll see how, uh, in the fall it, it you know, it opens up. And um, so I was accepted at the Art Institute of Chicago. And I think it's a perfect moment right now where the art world at large, the art market, is a little bit in post to go back to uh, questioning my practice and pushing it to, to other directions. Uh, I think it's the perfect moment to go back to, uh, to reconsidering my practice as a whole. <laughs> Thank you for that. This is our final question. And what I'm really interested in is in, as an artist, what do you feel your role is? So um, I think the importance is to be always proud of, uh, of your roots, um, whatever they are, like let's say the Mexican roots, as I was saying. And uh, as soon as you are proud of that heritage, um, it's, it's not about being uh, nationalistic. But uh, I think what's important is um, that that nationalism or this, uh, the fact of being proud of those roots doesn't prevent you or limit you from discovering other cultures. And uh, I would like to give you this uh, quote uh, from my great uncle from France who uh, um, passed away a few years ago, uh, Oncle Gérard, who always told me that what's very important, he, he was part of uh, the French army and did the... Uh, was in uh, Algeria during a period of time. And uh, what was always important for him is uh, to have very ingrained roots and at the same time wings. I think that's, that's the role of, of a person, but I think mostly of an artist. You need to be very ingrained in your own cultural, uh, your own cultural history, heritage, but at the same time having the capacity of uh, reaching to other cultures and becoming, in a, in a way, an ambassador of your work and of your culture. Yeah, I, I think that's what my role has been so far. And I'm very thankful of these different uh, opportunities I had to, to live, uh, you know, in the last uh, 29 years, you know, in different contexts and surroundings. It's wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. I do deep inside feel that it's so important for people to appreciate all cultures. And it's great that you were able to share with us some insights into the Mexican community and the Mexican culture. So thank you so much, Alexis. Thank you, Phil. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.